This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are discussing... Uh, well, Christmas holidays, really. You're being be crammed together with your family for a couple of weeks. And so I think it's a great opportunity to talk about apologies. <laughs> so we're going to talk about apologizing. Uh, we're also going to answer a cute, uh, question and answer about uh, what do I do with the Herod bit of the nativity story? Uh, also, Becky, my teammate, was in the woods and did some on-site location reflection so you'll get a whole atmosphere of the woods as she shares what birds have to do with parenting for faith and as always there will be a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid uh, by the way those of you some of you have heard uh, my mike pilavachi story well my mike pilavachi humiliation experience <laughs> and if you haven't well it's a story for another day but uh i was recently at a meeting of the national uh meeting with the national parenting Inif initiative with some very very fancy uh people who were a lot smarter than me and uh they uh were super experienced and nikki and sila lee were there of marriage course fame and uh i just want you to know that i uh i likewise humiliated myself <laughs> They are so wise and so cool. And they're like, oh, and uh, I, I was at the meeting and I was uh, just hanging out and uh, I was talking to some people that I know who were there and I uh, was really desperate to uh, head for the toilet. And so as I rounded the corner to the toilet location, I said to my friends and turning around to face front, I super need to wee. And as I said the word wee, I locked eyes with Nikki Lee, who was... Uh, about a foot and a half away from my face. And um, that was my big declaration to him was about my toilet need. So I think you're not going to see a lot of opportunities <laughs> with me and Nikki Lee in the future, but it's great. I think, I think dignity, always dignity is my way forward. So I'm hoping you have a Christmas filled with likewise joyful, embarrassing moments because that's what Christmas is all about. Uh, what am I talking about? Oh, right. Oh, sorry. So as we head into the Christmas period, there is all kinds of stressfulness, joyfulness, and it's exhausting and it's great family time. And I don't know, it's, it's all sorts. And we will have lots of opportunity to apologize to people because uh, you as a parent may lose your temper. Uh, you may make bad decisions from parenting to when you leave in the morning and how long the ride will make. And often, if you're like me, my instinct is to justify myself, my choices, and sort of stick to, to, stick to your choices. But I just wanted to assure you that there is a massive power in an apology. And particularly when it comes to parenting for faith and helping our kids spiritually connect with God and connect with others, uh, us messing up actually opens up a really interesting door because our children aren't perfect and neither are we. And when we get used to apologizing well, 
we create an opportunity to show our children how to handle their mistakes. So often we try to enforce their apologies on others by, you know, telling them what to do and how to do it. Um, right, you messed up, you need to tell your brother you're sorry. And we, we sort of enforce their apologies. Um, but a key thing we can do is show them how to apologize by doing it ourselves. And so here's some thoughts on apologizing. One, I would suggest if you find yourself in an opportunity where you think, I'm going to need to apologize for that, uh, give the gold star level apology. If you do something that you feel you need to apologize for, shoot high. Um, Rather than just saying, I'm sorry for yelling, go for the, the big, long explanation of what's going on in your heart. I'm so sorry that I rushed you until you felt so stressed and upset that you cried. I was feeling impatient because I had made some mistakes in getting myself ready. And so I was feeling really embarrassed and angry at myself. And I wanted to be on time. And so I rushed you so we could get out quickly. And that was unfair on you. I'm sorry, I made you feel upset. I'm still learning how to get everything and everybody ready on time, and I didn't do it right this morning. So I'll take a few breaths next time and try to be peaceful uh, if I ever make the same mistake of my getting ready mistakes again so it doesn't come out on you. Will you forgive me? I appreciate you trying to go fast for me. It made me feel like we were a team and you were trying to help. Uh, I'm going to spend some time with Daddy God chatting about it, but I want to make sure I fixed my mess with you first. Any combination of those sentences. Uh, Many parents report that, that when they start upping their apology game, when they start saying what was going on in their hearts, or when they start saying, you know, I recognize that this was me and not you, or when they say, you know, I appreciate how you responded to me when I was upset, uh, when they begin to model all of those bits of understanding and um, affirmation and, you know, genuine apology uh, within an apology, they begin to see their children change towards each other. Uh, Many parents began to report that their children began to apologize to each other genuinely and well without being prompted. And uh, it was much more frequent and with a better quality. Uh, Just by changing how they as parents began to apologize, they began to show their kids that it's not just about resentfully saying I'm sorry, but it's actually about understanding the other person and um, thanking them and uh, saying what you're going to change and all of that stuff. Give give a gold star apology because that models some things for our kids. And it doesn't have to be that long. I know that was a super long example, but there are so many things that you could say from just, I'm sorry I was short with you. I really appreciate you being patient when I wasn't. Uh, All of those things really just sort of help there. And this gold star apology is also really significant in that it allows space for a different idea of sin. Because rather than sin being this button that you push when you get punished, um, it becomes a a violation of relationship that costs to restore. Um, When when we just sort of snap and then say, I'm sorry, then it's sort of like something bad things happen and you have to say you're sorry and it's a tick box. But when uh, you... When you mess up, when you sin against others, when you when you need to apologize for something, to take a step back and say, I recognize that my mistake impacted our relationship and I need to fix that. That is an excellent reflection of how sin affects our relationship with God. And it helps our kids um, understand and learn how to confess their sin and seek relationship with God and seek that restoration because we're modeling it in our relationships with each other. 
And the last thing I just thought about apologizing, one of the favorite things that we've sort of discovered in our family, as well as um, in working with other families, is there's something really fun about just telling stories of when you messed up. And so if you're like, I've achieved a life where I don't need to apologize anymore. Uh, sometime in your past, you probably did. And, uh, and kids really love hearing your I messed up stories. And so they're great for car journeys. Um, we in our family, uh, we're like, oh, let's tell stories of times where we really messed up. And uh, we take turns all t- telling stories of when we got caught at school or bad things we did and the consequences that fell on us and laughing at each other's mistakes or what happened or how I felt and how I sorted out with God and all sorts of stuff. And you have these great stories of, of apologies you made and mistakes that you made and what you learned through it. And kids can participate as much. I've seen three-year-olds and four-year-olds tell stories of when they messed up and what happened and how they felt and how they're better now. And um, that really is a, a joyful sharing. And it normalizes the process that we're all on of becoming uh, more and more like who God has made us to be, but it also shows uh, each other where God was in all of our messes. And so be you and have fun. And if you need to apologize, know that it is an incredibly powerful spiritual parenting tool. Nothing is wasted. Every moment of parenting is an opportunity to show our children where God is in the mess and how to engage with each other and him. So have a happy Christmas. And don't worry. Now for our question for today. Um, I was, I was, this is a, a, a email that came in and I, I really love the honesty here. I was reading my kids the nativity story and ended up skipping over Herod and the baby killing stuff. I just didn't know how to explain that. Is that okay? Should I have included the Herod stuff? I think that's an excellent question. If you haven't read the Nativity story lately or somehow went to a crib service that they didn't include the mass killing of lots of babies, uh, in the Nativity story, in the story of Jesus' birth and sort of what happened after his birth, uh, we hear the story of King Herod, who is the sort of regional king at the time, and he uh, was really, really horrible. Well, I mean, he did some really interesting building projects uh, across Israel, but he really uh, was incredibly insecure as a leader. He ended up killing one of his wives and his two children because he thought they were uh, causing a revolution against him. He was very paranoid and uh, absolutely ruthless when it came to his kingdom. And uh, when he heard about Jesus, when he heard about potentially a, a, a child being born who was to be king, he was so in fear for his throne that he sent soldiers to kill all of the babies in Bethlehem uh, under the age of two uh, because he wanted to make sure he had killed whoever was going to uh, possibly come take his throne. And that's a that's a interesting story that happens <laughs> in this little happy, wonderful story of Jesus' birth. And, uh, and it doesn't surprise me that you sort of blink to that point. And so the first note I just want to say is you are the parent and only you know what is right for your kid. And so if you were reading that and genuinely thought, my brain's emotions can't handle, my kid's emotions can't handle that, uh, and you think that would be too much for your kid, that's fine. I trust you with your kid. So always feel free to make those calls yourself. Um, But if you were making that call because you weren't sure how to explain it or what to do with it, then here are some different 
I guess, roots in with how to talk about the Herod stuff in the nativity story. Um, one of the ways is, is similar to what I just explained to you. Uh, you could explain that Herod was a very insecure king and thought the way to stay safe was to hurt and control everyone around him. And he thought Jesus would kick him out of being king. So he wanted to kill Jesus and he didn't care how many other people got hurt or killed? And that's so sad. And that happens today, too. People in charge of countries, some people in charge of countries, uh, want to get what they want and are willing to hurt people to make sure they stay in power. And it makes God's heart angry and sad. And then you can, depending on how old your child is, have a conversation about the different countries that we see that in nowadays and the impact on communities. Um, another aspect you could go down if you were interested was uh, was about how Jesus was in danger a lot of times in his life. And because of this, Jesus and his family were refugees. At the beginning, they, he was a small child. And because of the political situation, they had to run away in the middle middle of the night to a different country for safety. And do we know of other countries where people have to do that now? And how would Jesus's family have felt? And you can have a very interesting conversation about that. Uh, another thing that you might want to talk about is power. And you can talk about power can make people get very selfish or feel like they can do what they want. And uh, you can ask your kid, have you ever had someone in charge of you that you felt was unfair? Have you ever been in charge and wanted to use that job to make others do what you want? Power is a tough thing to handle well, and Herod misused this. God never does. And that's what makes God so wonderful. He's the only one who is just and right with his power. There are loads of directions you could go with it. Wherever your kid's curiosity goes, you can follow. Um, also remember that there are four simple steps um, there's also on the website if you wanted to look up more. Uh, if you just type in, uh, if you go to the parentingforfaith.org website in the search bar, there's a, a little thing you can type in. And if you just type in four simple steps to approaching questions um, that your child asks on the website, you'll have uh, loads of that. And whole Facebook Live is about it. If you go on Facebook, look up videos. There's a whole Facebook Live about how to answer questions, as well as in the Parenting for Faith course session two. So there's loads of next steps. But uh, yeah, wade in if you feel like you want to, because you've got everything you need. wild card section we have becky who's a wild woman <laughs> and she is as you know a, a member of the parenting for faith team and she was out for a walk uh, in the woods near her house and uh, really began to reflect on birds and how uh, this particular set of birds uh, really reminded her about um, what parenting for faith is like so here's becky in the woods I don't know if you can hear, but I'm out in the woods and there are birds singing. I'm just going to stop talking to see whether we can hear them. Yeah, there they are. I've only really got into like birds quite recently. And uh, in our garden, I, we've got like one of those kind of like posh bird feeders with several stations. But we've also... Um, started putting in other feeders and experimenting with stuff and so we've got um, feeders in different places in the garden and stuff like that and so gradually over the last couple of years birds have really come to like our garden and my bedroom overlooks the garden so on a nice morning I can throw open my curtains and then I just stand some mornings and I just see all this amazing activity We've always got blue tits with masses of starlings. Sometimes we get 
like more exotic birds like little wrens and a woodpecker sometimes magpies always got two fat pigeons and we've also got resident robins who do nest although in the worst places i have to say and i see them and they're flitting in and out to the feeders and sometimes they use the bird boxes and what we've done is we've just added more and more stuff and i read for example that birds who um maybe a bit smaller or more timid get put off feeding at the bird feeder because the big birds dominate it and i've seen the starlings and they really do so they said to put feeders in different parts so we put some like one in a little tree one against a fence and also we've uh, put out different sorts of feed for them not just suet but we've got this really super cool feeder with three different sections in it so like one's got sunflower seeds one's got niger seeds one's got bog standard bird food and so like six birds can sit on that feed at once and then we've got those coconuts with suet in it and we've got a suet holder and we've got suet balls we've got suet everything um and we sometimes we put out bits of fruit we say like and we've got a bird bath so our garden has become a bit of a haven for wildlife so when i throw open my curtains i see all this stuff going on there might be a bird in the bird bath they're flitting in and out um they're hiding in the honeysuckle at the back of the garden waiting for their turn to get to the feeder and the starlings are mobbing it. And sometimes in the spring, you'll see the big birds feeding the little birds. And it's absolutely fantastic. But it really got me thinking, because I was like, two years ago, I never saw all these birds. Where have they come from? And I realised that what I'd done is what we need to do as parents when we're thinking about parenting for faith. I've created an environment in our garden where there's something for everyone where they can try stuff, where there's safe places for the shy ones. There's, there's, you know, there's lots of different sorts of food. I can't make those birds come and feed. I can't make them use our nest box or, 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 or the bird bath. But they come anyway because we've created an environment there which is welcoming and safe and lots of things to try. And it's like that with our kids. We can't force them to faith. We can't force them to commit to Jesus. But what about instead of worrying about that we focused on creating a kind of a spiritual atmosphere which was like the garden where there was different things for different people because frankly I put out a pear on my special fruit holder for bird thing and they hated it and it mummified and dropped off after six months but our kids don't like everything to do with church our kids don't connect with God in the same way some will try things and it's brilliant some will some will try things and hate it some just won't work for them some of the birds run around in gangs like dozens of them and some are solitary our children are like that some need a peer group some don't so i just wonder we can't force them to faith but what can we do to create an environment which is safe and welcoming where they can feel free to experiment where they can feel free to say no this doesn't work for me or i prefer that where they've got peers when they want peers, they've got older people to help them out. It's just a place which works for them and allows them to find their own journey of faith and their own ways with connecting with God. So next time you watch a bird on a feeder, or if you're lucky enough like me to have mobs of them, just think about how can we create the same in our churches and our families so our children feel as free as those birds. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid is this. If you could choose 
If you had to choose, if someone was like, no, you can only either have your Bible, your church, or worship music. You can only have one, and the others will be taken from you forever. What would you pick? Your Bible, your church, or worship music? Dun, dun, dun. Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.